This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is the High Hopes Podcast. It's a bunch of baseball nerds talking about the Phillies on Odyssey and Sports Radio 94 WIP. It is another edition, an emergency edition. Of the High Hopes Podcast, Jack Fritz, James Seltzer with you. Coming up later, we'll have a special guest coming up who, I guess, I always do this, Jack, where I do the radio thing where I'm like, special guest coming up, find out who it is, but it's definitely going to be in the title of the pod, right? Totally, yeah. So, yeah, so Preston Mattingly is going to join us later. We're really excited. It's awesome. We actually were already scheduled to talk to him, and then the NOLA news broke. So, uh, coming up in a bit, we'll get to Preston Mattingly. We could not ask him about the NOLA stuff, just so you guys know going in, because... Obviously, not everything is fully official organization-wise and stuff, but we talked to him about a ton of stuff. But Fritzy, we were expecting just record with Mattingly today, then, uh, you know, maybe uh, 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 record the rest of the pod the middle of the week, put it all together, and then out of nowhere, in like the span of 30 minutes, Nightingale comes out. He's like, oh, oh, oh hey, guys, Nola and the Phillies making progress. And then it's like, bang, 30 minutes later, seven years, $172 million. Nola's back, Jack. I I'm shocked, man. Like, I don't know what else to say. I, this is, I, I'm, I, welcome home, Aaron. I'm very happy to have you back here. We'll get into the money and the whole thing. And obviously, you know, the end of the contract might be ugly, but, but I'm, I'm really happy Aaron will be back. But more than anything, Jack, I just didn't expect us to be doing this pod today. I'm shocked. How you doing? Me too. Me too. Um, and I'm definitely happy. You know, like the Phillies kept a really good pitcher and in classic, Phillies fashion, they went more years for less of AV. So Nola, <laughs> so Nola gets the, um, I guess the, uh, you know, the length the of the contract's year. fine, yep. and, and he can yep. be, he can be, uh, he's going to be a Philly for life, which is hilarious. Yeah, it's um, crazy. And he's going to go. To, he's going to have so many franchise records when he it's is. all said and done. Yeah, he really is. You're right. That's a great point. So yeah, he's he's back. Um, and, and if I'm just viewing this, what I think happened is obviously Nola went out, tested the market, probably wasn't getting 200 million. Could he maybe have gotten 190 from a team if he really was pushing for it? Yeah. Well, for um, what it is, apparently he turned down more money. John Heyman reported it and Alex Coffey uh, confirmed it that apparently Nola did turn down more money from at least one other team or potentially other teams. So so he's the 2020s Cliff Lee? I yeah. Mean, he's Trey Turner? I mean, that's all people oh, do that's now. all we do. All we do is people people love to be here. Um <laughs> So, so they kept a good pitcher. Um, he's been durable. Um, obviously, that's pretty. The, the big selling point on Aaron Nola is that he pitches all the time. And like I think last year was more of a just a down year than than a, a, a massive sign for for concern. Because obviously, when you sign a pitcher for seven years, it's like okay, um, what's the what's is his velo going down? Is his stuff going down? I haven't really seen that. You know, he's kind of just been Aaron Nola. Um, he does have these up and down kind of years. And 
I just think that the adjustments they made in the postseason were real. And that was the one thing when I was talking about he's going to walk is is that I didn't want another team to benefit off of the adjustments that he made in the postseason because it's like that stinks because I think they're getting a steal um, from that standpoint. So um, I'm happy he's back. I'm glad it's not Blake Snell. Uh, I, I'm not going to lie. I do still wish it was Yamamoto. Me too. Uh, but apparently that's not totally off the table. Um, some some reports out there that Whoa. they'd still be interested in them. <laughs> okay. I would be very, very, very surprised. They're they're not giving uh, Nola this contract, uh, Yamamoto a similar-looking contract, and then re-signing Wheeler to something. I mean, let's be Not happening. Probably not happening. But I'm just saying what what is out there. Um, I still would have preferred Yamamoto just because of the age. And I I think the stuff plays. I think he's similar to Aaron Nola. Yeah, and Um, again, the age. The age. The the age. The the, (laughs) the age. He's six years younger. I mean, it is what it is. It's a massive six years. It's a big one. So, um, But overall... Like the Phillies didn't get worse today, and they don't, they no longer have to worry about, okay, Nola walks, who are we signed to replace him? Also, listen, I would have loved Corbin Burns or Dylan Cease, but now it's like. giving up prospects and all that stuff to do it, too. And especially after talking to our guy, Preston Mattingly. Oh, buddy. Not like, like I was. I'm way more excited about Mick Abel. Like that Mick Abel answer got me like pretty stoked. Well, that answer and the Aiden Miller answer for and me. And the Aiden Miller answer, obviously, was, come on. Well, it's because it, it, I was prepared to say, okay, he's going to be in the cease trade. No, 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 no. He's untouchable. Officially labeling him as untouchable. So well, they didn't yeah, have to Preston up. didn't say that. You're saying that. Just he so did not know. say that. No, <laughs> that is not an official quote from Preston Mattingly. My interpretation from his answer was. Yes, let's not, let's not. Uh, <laughs> Uh, do our guy dirty yet there, right? <laughs> yeah, no, no, never. Um, so uh, th- so they don't have to give up prospects. They brought back a good pitcher. Is it a lot of years? Yeah, it's a lot of years. But they keep the AAV down, so hopefully they can go add more pieces to this team. And we'll deal with the 2028 Phillies and the 2029 Phillies when we get there. But the good part is, and we talked about this a lot on this podcast, and obviously we just had Preston on. We've had Brian Barber on. I think there's just I think they're just getting started with this whole player development thing. So like even though they're here for a long time, I don't think this is going to take them out of also developing players at the same time to where they can just have a nice mixture of the two. Yeah, and have players to trade for guys if they need to supplement or this or that or whatever. I'm totally with you. And I think, you know, the the key like you said and and if you go back, you know, just a few days actually to our perfect all season pod, you know, one of our our main tenants themes beliefs, whatever, is that that we're in the window right now. Like, go win. Do everything you can to win a World Series over the next three, four, five years. Like, that is the prime imperative of this franchise. And signing Aaron Nola today helps to that. Like, flat out, it gives you a better chance to do that. And then this window is still going to be a part of uh, before the Nola contract, you know, <laughs> before we have to start really worrying about it going south, we think, we believe. And I think with Nola, the key to it is, look, when you sign these big type of deals, like, look, obviously, and it was a, a smaller deal, but the Wheeler one, you know, you're hoping for that, right? You're hoping for someone who you sign who has some upside but hasn't reached that level yet, and you give them $100 million or $120 million, and they way vastly outperform that, right? That's the goal. But I think outside of, of just getting, like, a, a steal, I think you just want someone who's going to show up and earn their money. You know, more than anything, you just want it not to be a, a disaster contract, a a Strasburg contract, uh, um, you know, that uh, Hector Ron, uh, uh, Rodon this year is for Carlos Rodon this uh, his first year this year. Like 
all you want is Had to, to not run feel. Down. I know. I went. Throwback. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I don't know why I'd Hector run down on my head. Uh, so anyway, um, you know, you you just want it. You, if nothing else, you know, you want you want your money's worth, obviously. But but more than anything, you want them to show up and be there and pitch and make an impact. And, you know, there's there's no better guy to, to spend the money on for that. And we've talked a lot over the years about Nola and how I think one thing for him is is his stuff should age well. You know, the type of pitcher he is should age well. He's never been a max effort, max velocity stuff guy in that way. He's a he's a pitcher. He's a craftsman. He's a technician, all that type of stuff. And as long as he's locating, as long as he's adjusting speeds, as long as he's uh you know, his mechanics are right. You know, he should be able to to remain uh, effective, you know, into, into his mid to late 30s. And I, I think that's why, again, look, seven years for Aaron Nola right now is that it's that's a lot. Like, I get it. It is. And, and I'm I do not I can't say at age 37, 38, whatever. I'm I'm sure he's going to be good. But I do think that that for the next few years and the heart of the important part of this, this window that we're in right now. I think it's a really smart move and you're getting him at 20, a little under 25 a year, you know, 24.9 or whatever it is. I mean, that's, that's a good price annually for the next four years, of this window for Aaron Nola. Well, and I think it's what, 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 one of my big concerns heading into this off season, uh, when we started seeing the reports of, okay, maybe they'll trade Cassianos, uh, Reese Hoskins, probably not coming back. Uh, Nola probably, probably not coming back is that there was a lot of clubhouse equity that was, that was going to be leaving. And, I, I think it's important to keep Phillies Phillies. Now, you don't want to make the mistake they made in, obviously, you know, 13, 14, 15 of, of holding on to guys too long. But this is also a pitcher that's in the in the middle of his prime and is the end going to be probably sh- really shaky? Yeah. And do I have concerns about, like, I my biggest concern with Nola is that he's just pitched a ton of innings. Yeah, that's now, by far the biggest concern. Now, we've seen... Like Scherzer threw a ton of innings, and these guys have thrown ton of tons of innings that have also, you know, pitched relatively well deep into their careers. So maybe he just kind of has that that arm, and I think Zach Wheeler kind of has that arm as well. Um, so you know, th- th- that's a that's a concern. But at the same time, worst case scenario for year four, five, six of this deal is that he's going to be like a four or five starter that at least is going to take the ball every day. Not sure how effective he's going to be, but whatever. I mean, you do. Innings need- are valuable. Like yes. I, I know people don't always want to hear, it, but innings are valuable. Like they are, and sometimes six innings and three runs is like really valuable. And, and not sometimes, all times, all times throughout a regular season. Like it's when you get to the playoffs, you need to win big games, you need great outings where you need those guys to to show up. But like. If you have a dude who's going to give you a six and three, which isn't a great ERA, isn't anything special, but I'll give you six and three every time out, that dude's super valuable. You know, and I, and Nola obviously can be better than that. And, mm-hmm. and maybe as it gets to the end, he'll be more that. But like that, it, it's not exciting. It's not sexy, but like that's valuable. I do think people, I think whenever these contracts come out, people get so worried about the back end of it. And it, and it just, it, it rarely ever really matters, but it's, <laughs> These next four years are just imperative, imperative to bring a title here. Like it, it's 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 absolutely go time. Like it's a hundred percent go time for this organization to say we got to win a title in the next five, in the next four years. I mean that's what this whole thing is gearing up towards. That's what 
<laughs> that's the only thing that is at the top of mind of of not only Middleton but obviously Bryce and as it should be all of them the whole crew they're all right there they're all the window it's yeah. a bunch of it's a bunch of late 20s early 30s guys like this is it this is their window this is their time to win this is the time for them to capitalize while they're still in the prime or the back prime of their career like absolutely and what the Phillies did today was ensure that they they didn't take a step back and and I think that they got I think they have a chance at getting a guy who would I be shocked if, if Noel's an all-star next year? No, I think, I, I I be think he'll be better this year than he was last year. I mean, the, this past year, I think he'll bounce back next year. I think, you know, he, he wasn't great for a, a majority of the season. He made the change. He stepped up at the end. I think he had a nice moment here in this city where there, you know, his entire tenure, we've talked about so much. I mean, there were times, like we said, a month ago where people even didn't even want him back and then things changed. Um, but he's had up and down times here and it hasn't always been super apparent that, that this fan base loves him and has love for him. And I think he felt that, I think, you know, I think there's, again, you know, it's something that we've talked about a lot that Dabrowski's talked about a lot. And, and I believe in, I, I, I think you do too, that, you know, not everyone can play in a city like this. There are players who just aren't built for this type of intensity or this type of expectation or this type of pressure or whatever. And, you know, even though he's at ups and downs, we know that Aaron Nola can succeed in the biggest of moments in this city and can last in this city and can go through adversity and bounce back in this city. And that in and of itself is valuable. Yeah, and, and I think that they're all still kind of figuring that out. I know it's a year two of, of finally making the playoffs, but you know, I think that they're going to make even more adjustments kind of as they, as they go along here. And I think that the more and more these guys are in these kind of moments, you're going to see hopefully them kind of uh, you know, figure it out and and eventually, dude. I can't. This, this, this I see it. It just dude, came out. The I'm so in the for sun. Not, for those just listening to the pod and not watching, all of a sudden it's just like beams of light just came yeah. onto Jack's face, and it's like right in his eyes, right in your face. It looks horrifying. It does look horrible. Yeah, it looks it's really horrible. tough. Yeah. yeah, it's it's. I mean, you're such the a, light a gamer though. You're such a gamer though. You know, the light shining through. through is obviously a good sign about the Nolan. Oh, sorry, yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, it's the ex- light shining through. Is there a better example of, or sign that this was this was the right thing to do? I, I, it's just so funny that he's like he's the first free agent that is signed. You know? Oh, like, I know the first big money one. The first big. You're right. Yeah, like he just had no just, interest, no interest in, in screwing around. No, he's like, he's I like, want to be I'm a Philly. Gonna, my whole career. I'm it's so funny. It's the one of the first things you said to me when we hopped on the Zoom before we are the uh, this um, the uh, video here before we talk to press and stuff. You're like, Aaron Noel is going to be a Philly's whole career. It's like, wow. Yeah, you're right. Like and that doesn't happen that often with, you know, guys of a certain level of player who, you know, just spend their whole career somewhere and have success. And like you said, it'll be, you know, top of the board in a lot of key Philly pitching categories, you know, so it's uh yeah, it's 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 wild just to think that Aaron Nola's here and and he will be a lifetime Philly, a lifetimer, like a lifer. It's wild. And and I I don't have this confirmed through through sources or anything, but here's how I believe it went down: mm-hmm. is that um, the Braves called. He thought about, do I want to be a Brave and and turn my back on the city of Philadelphia? And Aaron Nola said, No, Alex Anthropolis. <laughs> You are not, I am not turning my back on the city of brotherly love and coming down and joining the Atlanta Braves. 
And, I love that. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe even strung him along a little bit. You know, I'd say, okay. Oh, I like that. Maybe you know, yeah, I like that. Because there would have been better. nothing. There would have been nothing uh, worse than one of those stupid freaking press releases that come out of nowhere oh, with, I know. The, the, with the Braves. Oh, God. And then it's like, oh, we got Aaron Bummer just to like, <laughs> who was a hundred percent traded for just to get Schwarber and Harper out. Uh huh. Um, so you know, it would have been nothing worse than Aaron Olson. So I, in in a perfect world, I think he drug them all along a little bit and took them out of maybe signing or trading for a guy. Um, but either way, I'm, just, I am happy he's not a Brave. That really would have it would have left a, a complicated legacy for Aaron Nola, just like when Worth went to went to Washington. Boston. Yeah, yeah. And it just would have been a sour taste in our mouths, especially this moment of Phillies Braves. It's one thing. Like, that's the thing. Worth went to the Nationals, and they weren't good at that time. And then they got good, and he won a World Series there, and blah, 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 all that stuff. But for Nola to go to, like, right now, like, oh, what did we talk about this whole season into the playoffs? Like, the Phillies-Braves thing is is back, and it is white freaking hot. Like, we hate them. There is real, real sports hate going, and a real thing, a rivalry. Them winning the regular season, us winning the playoffs last couple years. Like, there's, like animosity and hatred and dislike like for him to go in this moment to jump there like that would have been i feel like an extra you know kick in the junk as it were you know totally totally um and he didn't i'm just i'm shocked that he's i'm just I'm shocked. shocked he's not a Cardinal. I literally said on the radio yesterday, yeah, the camera came to me. He's like, right, what's going on with Nola? Who do you think of, uh, you like this Japanese guy? And I was like, yeah, Nola's gone. I was like, he's not going to be here. I was, I thought he was gone. Yeah. I, 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 so, yeah. Um, well, what are the right. Cardinals doing? I mean, what are the, I mean, he, he, rebuilding? You need, they should be rebuilding. I mean, you I needed a starter like Aaron Nola. I mean, he would have been perfect there, yeah, more of a smaller market. They, like, he would have been durable, would have gave him quality innings. Like, I, I just can't believe that they, they couldn't beat that offer, or maybe they did. And, and he said, he said no. Um, and, and I think, like him turning down money and, and to stay here, I think it buys Aaron Ola, obviously, you know, Grace, yeah. a, a little bit of a of a of a leash here, where it's like you wanted to be here, and I think that that means something. And back to back years of of him Turner um, saying I, I want to be affiliate, like that that bodes so well. For the for the future of this franchise, and I do think that a lot of that has to obviously do with the fans. I mean, and the fans and, and how we showed out in the ballpark the last no couple doubt. of years, and uh, the ovation stuff. Like, I, I just I, I hope this does lead to lead to you know more free agents obviously coming on down. But getting Nola back in the fold for that contract, the years of the years, whatever. But for that deal, I mean, it does it does lend their, lend itself to going and getting another guy. So. The Nola thing is big, but like if I would rather have Nola at twenty four or even seven years, whatever, or Snell at like five, but a higher AV, mm-hmm. I am a, a lower AV guy. So you, whatever the tax, whatever, but like it does matter when it comes to to, to going and getting players. A hundred percent, it does. Yeah, a hundred percent, it does. It's a, and it's a great point. Like it does get more punitive the more you go up those levels. And you know, John Middleton has shown he's super willing to spend. We're super lucky. But like, you know, Steve, he's, he's not Steve Cohen. No one else in baseball is Steve Cohen. Like the dude has like five times the amount of money of everyone else. You know, you can't, you really do have to be smart about it. You can't just spend, spend, spend and expect to, you know, at a certain point you have to say, all right, we got to stay under this number. So, um, yeah. uh, all right. Um, I want to, I want to talk about what's next in a sec first. And this, so if you're watching the, the live YouTube of this, um, don't go anywhere. 
it might seem a little weird because you're you're not going to hear Preston Mattingly right now. But everyone else listening to the podcast will hear Preston Mattingly because we recorded it before. And you watching YouTube can listen on the pod to hear it as well. Uh, so I want to get to what's next uh, before we get out of here. But let's get to our guy. I mean, what a thrill for us. We've been waiting uh, so, I mean, we said his name before he was even here. We wanted them to hire him. Uh, we had Brian Barber on. Now we get our other guy, Preston Mattingly, actually joins us on the show, Jack. Um, this is exciting stuff. All right. Uh, we'll be back in a sec if you're watching the YouTube uh, in about 25 minutes if you're listening on the pod. Uh, actually, we'll be there for that, too. But um, all right. Uh, we'll, we'll get to what's next coming up in a minute. First, our interview just a little bit ago with the great Preston Mattingly. And it is our pleasure to welcome to the show. Uh, we've talked about him thousands of times on the show. We wanted him hired. Well, we might have gotten him hired. We're not going to take full credit for it. But, but you know, we did say hire Preston Mattingly, and then he got hired. Now he's an assistant general manager, player development. Like, moving on up, Preston, thank you so much for taking the time, man. No, it's an honor to be on. Obviously, listen to you guys a lot. And, uh, yeah, it's just my pleasure to be here. Well, sorry in advance for listening to us a lot. You know, we, we lead you down a lot of wrong paths. Um, but, but I will say, I mean, you, Brian Barber on the podcast. I mean, it's been a, it's certainly been an off season. So um, I, I just, I have some nerd out questions at the look end at that I will smile. get to. I mean, look at Jack's oh. smile. He's like beaming right now. It's a big day. It's a big day. Um, but there's a lot to get into. And um just really, really, really appreciate you taking a couple of time or a couple of minutes out of your busy, busy day to join us. Yeah, Preston, yeah really, it's going to be awesome. We really appreciate it. Let's let's dive in. And I want to start. I want to go back first before we dive into to the Phillies and your time now. Uh, for those who might be like, oh, Mattingly, that sounds familiar. Uh, Don Mattingly's son, <laughs> Donnie Baseball. So just going back and starting, you know, someone who's literally spent their whole life around baseball. What was it like to, to, A, you know, grow up as Donnie Baseball as your dad and, and also just to grow up, you know, literally at the stadium around the game like that? You know, in the moment, you probably don't appreciate it. But I think as I got older, I kind of, you know, realized like some of the things I was exposed to at a very young age. You look back and it's like, man, that was that was really cool. You know, like Yogi Berra staying at my house and you know, <laughs> getting to be in the clubhouse and, you know, Yankee Stadium and go to all-star games. It's just like. You took that for granted probably as a kid, but now looking back, it's like, man, what a special, you know, time that was. And honestly, my dad's been great. You know, he he's he doesn't push me to do anything. He lets me kind of be myself, be my own person. And, and it's been great to kind of grow up that way without any pressure with him, you know, putting on myself. Yeah. And and I don't think people realize how great a player your dad was. I mean, 307 career hitter. If the back didn't get hurt, I, I've believed my whole life that he'd be a Hall of Famer. Um, I, he was... He was an awesome player, a nine-time Gold Glover. Um, but uh, with that in mind, the the experience you had as a kid, being around the game and all that, and you know, segueing to to playing, you were a player as well, a, a first-round draft pick by the Dodgers, played in the minor leagues. Um, I want to get back to to the growing up, but but in terms of being a player and and uh, playing in the minors and then not making it, how did that experience kind of set you up? for player development were there things you noticed at the time when you were playing that you could kind of pinpoint oh you know that's important for young kids or this or that like were there things then that that kind of transferred over to what you do now I think you always take from your experiences right I mean like you 
the things that happened to you, whether it's the way I was as a hitter or the way I was treated by, by the admin staff there. Um, but honestly, like it's not necessarily baseball. I think that's impacted me the most in player development. Honestly, my time at Lamar playing basketball, I got like, you know, I was obviously a little bit older at the time and, and going back to being around 18, 19 year old kids and seeing like what makes them tick, what makes them, what motivates them to be what they, you know, to reach their goals. And I think that really helped me as, as much as my playing days in the minor leagues as well. And do you now, think your experience, one more on that, do you think your experience uh, as a kid growing up around the game helped with, with it as well? Do you think it's something that you kind of saw from an early age and, and was almost ingrained in you? Uh, possibly. I think like you get exposed to people, right? You get exposed to different people you get to have conversations with and it allowed me to ask questions and, and learn the game through their eyes, through, you know, different people and that have had lots of experience throughout their years. Now, no consideration to ever growing a mustache like Donnie Baseball. You said, you said, I don't know if I can pull that off or what? No, you know, I've never done it. Uh, I don't love the look, honestly. I give my dad a lot of crap about it. But I did do it one time, uh, one time as a, when I dressed up for Halloween, I did it and took a photo and I, that photo, I don't really like it out there much, but I tried and you know, he, he gave me some crap back and said, Hey, I was growing that mustache at about age 12. So he said, you need to keep working. I mean, yeah. it was like a full on handlebar back in the day. Your dad rocked it, man. Yeah. It was, it was a legit one. He had the 80s look down. Yeah, him and Tom Selleck, man. Yeah. <laughs> King to the 80s. Uh, all right, so you come over from the Padres, um, and uh, obviously it's very, very exciting. You know, all the word was how you were a fast riser and, and was viewed as like a, the, uh, a rising star in the industry. Um, what would you say the biggest growth has happened since you have now kind of taken over and, and, and ran with player development since, since you started? I mean, just probably managing people, honestly. You know, you know, I was doing a lot of things in San Diego, and, you know, you, you don't really understand, like, how big of a challenge and task that is. You know, obviously in player development, a ginormous department, it's, you know, 150-plus. You're dealing with, you know, other departments as well. So I think managing people was probably the biggest thing. That I'm not saying I was bad at it, but I think you always can evolve. You always can get better, and I think just, just to understand, like, Every person you're dealing with has a family, has a, has a something going on in their life, and just a you don't take that for granted when you're dealing with people. And how do you feel, you know, infrastructure wise, you know, coming over, really kind of, you know, laying your putting your fingerprints on the, the player development side? Like, where do you kind of feel like it is at this point? Yeah, I feel really good. I mean, obviously, you're always trying to get better. Um, it's really, you know, great in the organization. We've added a lot of resources. We built a pitching lab in Clearwater. Uh, we've added, you know, biomechanists. We've we have multiple pitching coaches, upper level, lower level. I think, like the one great thing about the Phillies and and is we have the resources and we we invest them in our players. Yeah, um, and I, the the pitching lab and everything oh that's happening God. down he's at Clearwater. Me again. He's oh, me again. Listen, you said pitching lab and it was over for me personally. Um, so yeah, Clearwater. That's gonna be really really exciting. Um, you talked a lot about protecting the standard. What is what the standard, is standard to you? Yeah, I think it's uh, like how we conduct ourselves. Honestly, it's, it's four things that take no talent. We talk to our players all the time. Uh, respect, how we compete, how we play. And I think it, it just goes to like how we do things on a daily basis. And, and we hold our players to that. I think this, this is a championship organization. Um, and it's always been that. And I think we had to get back to that, to like we have standards in this organization and we're not going to accept anything but the best. Cause that's what we want to be. You know, we want to build something that's sustainable for years to come. 
And I think to do that, our players had to understand that it comes with expectations and, and how we do all the things I just mentioned. You talked about before the importance of the people you're around and learning from them. I mean, you're obviously under one of the great, uh, you know, he's president of baseball. It's one of the great front office men of in the history of the game. I mean, Dave Dombrowski will, will go in the Hall of Fame someday. He's won uh, multiple World Series, multiple organizations, been there with with four different teams. What has it been like working under Dave? And, and you know, what kind of things have you learned from Dave that have, that have kind of helped progress you in your career? Yeah, Dave's tremendous, right? But it, it's not just Dave. It's Dave, Dave Dombrowski. It's Sam Fold. It's Ani Colombi. It's it's Jorge Valandia. It's Ned Wright. It's a it's a group of people. But Dave specifically, I've learned a lot just watching how he conducts himself and how he treats people and how he you know conducts meetings and how he just the way he sets up his day. Honestly, everything I could sit there and watch him for hours. Um, but he's been tremendous for me. He's let me do my job, let our staff work, and I think it, it's been been tremendous to work for him. You've been around a lot of really smart people in your time. I mean, Andrew Friedman, uh, a lot of smart people in that Padres organization. Do you try and like take certain things from people that you see? Do you see like, oh, wow, Andrew Friedman's really good at this. I like that. But, you know, Dave does this thing differently. And I like that a lot. And do you, Is that kind of do you try and take things and meld them into your own style? Or do you kind of uh, get a blueprint and, and try to follow the thing that just works? Yeah, I think you're always taking from everyone, you know, whether it's, you know, Andrew, when my dad was managing out there, AJ Preller in San Diego, the way he did things, then Dave and, and who I'm with now. It's, it's But it's not just the baseball side. Like, you know, the, the basketball coach I had in college, Tick Price, I learned a lot from him. My high school coaches, like my mom, honestly, whatever thing she's been through, like you take from everyone and you're always trying to grow. You're trying to get better. You know, we were really fortunate as an organization, myself, Sam and a few other people to go you know, go down to Alabama and we got to talk to Nick Saban for 45 minutes about just development and players. And we went to Clemson and we went to Kentucky and we did a bunch of different things, which was really special to get to grow and not just grow as a person myself, but help grow our organization. So um, obviously we love the Phillies, right? But I've often said that the, the my favorite team in the organization was the Clearwater Threshers, who uh, was nicknamed Pressureville. Um, and you also said that you know they were the most important draft class, you know, uh, for the like in this organization, I guess. Um, why do you believe that draft class was was so important for kind of instilling the, the Phillies way? Yeah, I think, you know, number one, the Clearwater team was tremendous, right? But I think I said that when I spoke to the guys when we drafted them uh, the year prior. And I said that because it was the first, you know, draft class that myself, Brian Barber, had been working together and just to, to establish that standard and what we're going to be about as an organization. That's what we talked to them about, how important they were. When they came into off-season workout programs for six weeks, it's their job to help bring the next group along and be the leaders of the organization and then just push it forward and get back to the championship organization that we are. And I think just specifically the Clearwater team, honestly, Jack, I mean, like, I think that team would have won hundred games if I would have kept them together. It was a special, wow. special group, um, you know, just starting from like Justin Crawford and, and nobody even really talks about this guy a lot, but Brian Rincon and just Orion Kirkering. And like, we had a bunch of guys that were just really good players. And they, the, the cool part about it was they played together as a team. They took on their manager's identity, Marty Malloy, who's really tough, but he, you know, he loves to, you know, loves the guys to play hard and, and, and win. And I think they took after him and it was it was from second one. It was like they were selfless. They were all about, you know, the team and getting better and trying to win as an organization. And it was really fun to watch. Yeah. And obviously you're looking to instill that in a new draft class. I mean, do you feel confident that this is going to be something that you're just going to have and, and instill and get these guys to, to buy in from day one? 
Yeah, we, I think as an organization, we feel very confident. I think like, you know, we, we provide these guys with a lot of things and resources, but with that comes expectations. And I think the players are, it's, they're, they hear it loud and clear when they sign that it's going to be, the standard's going to be the way it is. And if they can't live to that, they just won't be in our organization. And I think, you know, Brian Barber and his staff does such a great job of getting high character guys who love to play and work and want to get better. So I think it really fits that. Speaking of Brian Barber, uh, this is a question I asked him when we had him on, and I think you mentioned Justin Crawford. Um, I feel like the last few years we've seen a really uh, – and look, you're always going to see – and you're one of them, right? Uh, 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 you played your, – your father played in the, in the game. But I feel like we've seen a, a influx of really high-end um, – you know, prodigy of, of players, you know, kids like Vlad and, and, and Bichette out there and you know Crawford and the system. And I, I just feel like there've been a, a real, I mean, uh, Matt holiday as two of the, you know, both his kids are, are top 10 prospects, whatever, number one, all that stuff. What is it about, about uh, like growing up with a father who played the game? Obviously there's the genetics part about that. I get that, but is there something other advantage? Like I always thought with like Steph Curry or whatever, you know, Growing up around the game, being in those arenas, you're just like desensitized to it almost, right? You're like, it doesn't feel as big or as scary or whatever, maybe naturally. I don't know. I always, I'm fascinated by this idea of, of kids who, whose parents played and then follow and can, can in some cases, you know, uh, uh, improve on it. Um, what do you think it is outside of just the genetics? I think they're exposed to high level training and coaching, right? I think a lot of kids at that young age don't get to work with, let's just take, you know, the holidays, Matt Holiday. Right, or don't get exposed to like, yeah, <laughs> you know, the routines that Matt knows and, and then instill those into his into his boys. And you know, I think, yeah, you're exposed to a lot of things. You're being able to be around the yard, you're being able to talk to older players and just yeah, get exposed to high level coaching at a young age. What's it been like? Uh, what's it been like working with our, our, our guy, Brian? I mean, you're both our guys, you know what I mean? But but now, you know, you two have joined forces. What's it been like working with uh, Brian Barber so far? Yeah, Brian's one of my really close friends. I, I love Brian, and I, it's been tremendous. You know, obviously, we both had a vision when, when we came over and worked together that, like, we needed to bridge the gap between PD and scouting. And we've done we've done a lot of work to try and do that. We have guys that, that work on both sides, both the player development side and scouting, to help bridge that. And, like, we've really, you know, worked together. And it's like, it, you know, having an organization like this, it, to be successful, you have to be on the same page. You know, I think the one thing that that nobody really understands and – what happens when things start to go bad is you get a, you get a scouting director and player development who are on the same side. So you draft the players and the player development complains about the players they get. Right. And then vice versa, right. You draft good players and player development screwed up my players. So I think getting on the same page to understand like, Hey, what these players need to do to get better when you draft them, I think is really important and impactful to speeding up their development. And uh, I was thinking, thinking, you know, you know it's, I feel like the organization is really uh, healthy right now, which is it's, it's a good spot to be in, especially with you and, and, and Brian kind of leading the charge down there. Wh what's next? Like, like, where do you kind of envision this department, you know, in, in the next five years and, and how this thing is going to continue to grow and, and continue to churn out talent? Yeah, I, I think when in the interview process and talking with Brian throughout, it's like I wanted to be the team that like, you know, I always say like build the bully, right? Like, you know, you, you get these players and you, you get all these guys into your system and you just you look up and you're, you have multiple guys coming every single year throughout your organization. So I think, you know, as we continue to, you know, obviously Brian's hasn't had a ton of time yet. He was here in the COVID draft in 2020, only had five picks. And then he's really only had a couple draft classes. And, you know, obviously we've given up some picks to sign quality free agents. And, and I think, you know, 
as Brian continues to get more, you know, picks and get more guys into the system, we're going to continue to get high end talent and develop those guys into being championship players and, and be impactful players. I think the one thing you've seen about Brian is he's going to take the best player and he's going to take guys with big tools and big talent. And I love that. Like, give me those guys in our system and we'll get them better. Yeah, Preston, we, we don't have to tell you, yeah, I, you know, you haven't been in Philly that long, but I'm sure you know the history of, of drafting and developing with the Philadelphia Phillies has always been the bugaboo. I mean, there's a reason we're the losingest franchise in the history of the sport. You know, we've really struggled with that. And I know for me and Jack, this is by far the best we've ever felt about, about that about that portion of the Phillies and the future of that and what you guys have done in a couple of years here. So I know we speak for all Phillies fans when we say like, thank you, man. Cause this is something that has really been a long road for us to feel good about this. So thank you. Uh, now uh, after thanking you, I'm going to apologize uh, because I'm about to let Jack just nerd out with you. So I'm very sorry in advance, Jack. Jack. Yeah, well, listen, there's some, some players I would like to ask about. Let's go. All right. All right. Aiden Miller. Drafted him last year. Big tools. Uh, I was so, like, so happy they drafted him. Um, what can you tell us? What have you seen so far from Aiden Miller? Yeah, I was, Aiden actually lives like 10 minutes down the road from me. So when we drafted him, it was really cool. And I knew he would be at all of our camps in the offseason and be around the complex, you know, 24-7. But Aiden, obviously, you know, he's a big physical kid. Um, he's, he has huge power uh, you know, he's going to play in the middle of the field early on. I think he's a chance he stays at shortstop, but if not, obviously third base type body. Um, but I think it's going to be a power bat and it's tremendous makeup. It's tremendous work ethic. The kid's special and he has big tools and I, I can't wait to, you know, keep working with him for years to come. Perfect answer. Jackson. No, Perfect and, answer. I, and honestly, you know, we were shocked. We, he got to us, you know, I think. It was ridiculous. So is Jack. He couldn't. It's stop a top fifteen player it. in the draft. If he doesn't break his handmade bone, he's he's a locked top fifteen player. Like uh, some of the organizations need to grow up. Um, <laughs> all right, Abel and McGarry. Like you know, kind of up down. Um, got the AAA. You know, kind of seemed like he took a step back. What do you see from from Abel and McGarry this year, and um, what are you kind of expecting going forward? Yeah, I think people honestly were a little hard on Mick. You know, I think he threw 100 and I think it was 113 innings this year. That's multiple years, over 100 plus innings. Um, you know, I think people forget that he's drafted in the COVID year, didn't pitch high school baseball. His first year in the pro ball, he threw, I think, 40 innings and had a little bit of a shoulder mechanical flare up where he didn't get a pitch much. So last year, two years ago now, it would, it would have been his first really full year. He threw 100 plus innings this year. He, he followed that up, took the ball wire to wire. We saw the stuff actually get better. I think, you know, some of the command stuff that he dealt with, you know, was obviously some strength related stuff that once he gets stronger, we think that'll clean up. And honestly, you know, pitching in Reading, it's not the easiest park to pitch in, but I think we saw the stuff continue to tick up throughout the year. And we're really excited about what's to come for Mick. What about Griff? Um, it was kind of on fire at the beginning of the year, kind of cooled off a little bit. What did you see from him? Yeah, Griff obviously slowed out the gates with a little bit of an oblique. So we were kind of like kind of trying to play catch up with him from the start. We got him built up in Reading. He showed some flashes of, of the Griff McGarry that we all know. Um, I think once we got the triple A, he just the command kind of backed up on him. Right. And I think we've done some, we're going to do some stuff this offseason. We're already doing it. And we did it last year when he was on the development list of, of remapping the arm a little bit. Some of the stuff, the way the arm works to help make him be more efficient and uh, help him, you know, command the ball a little bit better. Cause we know if he does that, like he has elite stuff. Right. So 
So that's going to play anywhere. So it's just getting him in the strike zone more. We think we think we found some avenues to doing that. He's working with Brian Kaplan and, and Mark Lowy, two of our pitching people, Travis Herger, um, Cesar Ramos when he was in AAA. So we've had a really strong group working with him, and we're really excited about him next year. Yeah, I mean, the stuff still pops. So obviously for, for Griff. Um, Justin Crawford, drafted him last year. Um, a lot of talk about hitting the ball like, into the ground, but he hit over 300. Um, how confident are you guys – or? How confident are you that you're going to be able to get him to lift the baseball, continue to, uh, you know, do damage in the gaps? And, and, I mean, what do you think we have here in Justin Crawford? Yeah, Justin Crawford, the first thing that comes to mind is, like, impact, right? Because he's a, he's a freak athlete. He's a chance to be elite defender, elite base runner. So just take that right off the, off the jump and you're excited. And I think just the, the, the bat-the-ball skills that he has. And, like, listen, I think, like, Justin weighed, weighed 175 pounds uh, when, we, when he started the year. He's up to 185 now. But I think – the impact's there. It's not like a quality of con. It's not like a lack of impact type thing. The exit velocities are already in the one tens as it for a young kid. But like you mentioned, he hits a lot of balls on the ground. So it's more quality of contact issue. And I think people, you know, it's so visible now prospects that they, they want guys to be perfect the day they sign. Right. So Justin Crawford, when he signs and at 19, the player that he is now is not the player he's going to be in the big leagues at 22, 23, 24 years old. Right. Like we, we're well aware of some of the things he does and, and, you know, that he hits a lot of balls on the ground. But I think for a young kid, I think we want to let him do it like naturally. Right. We don't want to just get him in the system and like, hey, you got to hit home runs. You got to hit the ball in the air right away because that could stun his development and set him back. So I think we're kind of letting him grow, but we're well aware that we need to make some stuff. It's more of a point of contact thing. And in, in some of the way his swing works, we're adjusting that. Luke Merton, our director of hitting, has been working with him all offseason. He was down at high performance camp in Clearwater for the last six weeks. So. He's been there working on it, and we're we're really happy with where Justin's at and where he's going to be in the future. I think the guy you see now is not the guy you see in a couple of years, so he's a really exciting player. Yeah, I mean, he seems like the classic guy that 24 all kind of comes kind of comes together and bang, you know, like a, a four win player just on defense and speed automatically. So it's exciting. Uh, Gabriel Ricones Jr. He's got some serious pop. Went off in the Arizona Fall League. Uh, future in maybe uh, corner outfielder of the bigs. I mean, what are we seeing from from Rincones? Yeah, he didn't get to play his first full year. He was dealing with a shoulder issue, and you know, I think the one thing that was the most surprising thing was was the defense and base run. This guy's as an instinctual defender. I think when we drafted him, it was more well, he's a corner, maybe play first. But it's now like pretty evident, like he's going to be a, a good corner outfielder just by the instincts uh, on the bases. I want to say he stole over forty bases this year, and, like didn't get caught many. So, like, I think there's instincts in the bases. He takes the challenges really well. I think, you know, we told him early on that, you know, in his, in his scouting report, we had him as a 30 runner. So he, he chose to take the full year to prove us wrong and, hmm. and, uh, and steal some bases. But another guy that I think it's top of the scale exit velocities, he's going to have big power. I think it's, it's a quality of contact issue, again, that we're working on. I think as he learns to lift the ball more and get the ball in the air, he's going to hit a ton of home runs. And uh, we're really confident in that. And I think he, for his first full year, he went out and had a pretty good season. Now, unfortunately, this guy tore his ACL, but I was so excited about Starlin Kaba. Uh, what can you kind of tell me about him? I mean, he was kind of unknown, signed, signed a pretty decent contract um, a couple years ago. Uh, what did you see kind of year one getting him stateside? So he, he didn't tear his ACL. It was left elbow surgery. Oh, way off. Sorry, yeah. I, thought, I, thought, I thought it was the ACL. My bad, so, yeah, my bad. Yeah, all good. Yeah, but um, yeah, left arm, so nothing's going to hinder him long term. Just a little bit of a, a speed bump for him. He's in the States now. He's been rehabbing up until the dead period. 
yeah, he's honestly, it's, it's maybe the best defender I've ever seen for a young kid. Wow. Um, it's athletic. He's bouncy. He makes a ton of contact. He can run. Obviously, he's still 17 years old, but it's a special, special defender and player and athlete. So, yeah, we're really excited to get into the States next year. Um, and honestly, our FCL team next year could be really fun to watch. Yeah, I can't wait. I, I think he's I think he's got a chance to be a stud. Uh, last quick hitter here. Who do you think performed better in the clubhouse, me or Seltzer? I mean, who looked like they belonged, <laughs> belonged there? You know, this is a hard one because I feel like I don't know, know the right. I, I got to go with Jack though. I think yeah, Jack, it's okay. I think I think Jack's there. the right answer. Yeah, well, like, he was nerding out a little bit in there, yeah. but it was well deserved. I'm glad he. I'm glad, good to see him in there. Yeah, Jack. To trust me, Jack needed that a lot more than I did. So I think that was the correct answer there. I oh, think. Listen. I don't know if Jack would have recovered if we'd gone the other way. Just pop so much champagne as a, a Bloomsburg Husky. Yeah, never back in lost in the playoffs, right? You know, just a, two and zero in last playoffs, Preston. So <laughs> there we go. <laughs> no thing, no yeah, thing or two about yeah. winning. Yep. Yeah. yeah, if you're looking for someone to develop, you know, there you yeah. go. Yeah, uh, I still have college eligibility. Around the boys a little bit more, you know, get you down to spring training a little bit. Oh my God, you don't have to tell us twice. I'm all gonna on a plane right now and just wait till March. I'm I'll start right walking. I'll, I'll walk. I'll walk to Clearwater. Are you kidding me? uh um press and last one for us and again thank you so much for the time like it's it's a real thrill to have us on as you could tell jack giddy um but uh last one just a fun one on the way out you know you mentioned uh yogi berra uh in the opening when i talked about being around the game i mean your dad and i know uh, ricky henderson a little before your time but dad played with ricky henderson and dave winfield and obviously played for for george steinbrenner and you know a lot of around stuff do you have any like fun memories or any anyone who kind of sticks out as someone who you know you're like wow i can't believe i saw george steinbrenner at this time or that is there anything that kind of sticks out to you like that i'm a jeter guy you know so nice. Derek jeter's my guy always has been um so just the way that, uh, jack 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 uh, likes to rip on jeter and i i, do yeah, that, I, I get it i get it but you know jeter uh when you're growing up watching the things he did and this like way he treated people honestly with me was the coolest thing and just like, yeah, I come to spring training as like a, you know, Don Mattingly's kid. He doesn't have to treat me any kind of way. And it was like, you know, he's giving me a glove. He's giving me cleats. And then like, you know, fast forward. The one thing I always stuck with me, I was struggling in the minor leagues my first full year. And I was making a ton of errors playing shortstop. And obviously Derek had a history and made a lot of errors his first full year. Mm -hmm. And I remember um, sitting in my hotel room and and getting a call. And it was, it was Derek who called me. And it was and my dad, I guess, had updated him. Hey, tell him I'm making some errors. And he called and just told me like, Hey, just keep working and keep grinding. And just that advice always stuck with me. And just the, that he took the time to do that. Right. Yeah, like the guy that's a superstar type player and treated me the way he did. It always stuck with me. And it was really honestly to this day, like this guy can do no wrong in my eyes. That's awesome, man. Yeah. That that's, that's pretty cool, man. And look, other than Jack, everyone else talks glowingly about Derek Jeter. So, and it's not personal. Jack just calls him a slap hitter, which is outrageous. <laughs> well, I, <laughs> I appreciate Derek Jeter. <laughs> I appreciate Derek Jeter. He's a great player. Great player. But it's funny also to uh, needle some Yankees fans. That's right. That's right. Well, again, Preston, seriously, uh, I can't tell you how much uh, we appreciate the time. It has been a, a real pleasure. Uh, definitely want to have you back on the future. Maybe maybe we make a, a, a Brian Preston, Pre Preston uh, you know, uh, interview happen at some point. That'd be a thrill, too. But um Thank you, man. I, I can't tell you how much of a throw it was for Jack, for me, uh, and for our audience. So thank you.
yeah, great to be on here. Obviously, it was a pleasure. And anytime we get to talk about the Phillies and our players, like I'm, I'm happy to. Sounds great, buddy. And uh, thanks again. And I'll see you in the clubhouse next year. Next year, we'll, we'll get there. Look much more professional. That's we're, right. We're there as, as, as journalists, mm-hmm. and we're not rooting for mm-hmm. either team. So yes. <laughs> next year yes, in the clubhouse. That's us, <laughs> very clearly. As <laughs> I'm wearing like a Bryce Harper Simpson shirt in the clubhouse. Yeah. Yep, that's yeah. it. Yep. Yeah. Love it. <laughs> All right. And we're back. Nah, uh, don't go anywhere. That was awesome. I, I thought I was felt felt like a really quick interview to me. Uh, yeah. Flew by. Um, no, we we are so grateful, and we are definitely going to have uh, I think him and Brian on in the future. Do a little little uh, four way talk, which I think will be pretty awesome. All right, Jack. Before we get out of here, I'm assuming you have a take bag because we just spoke the other day. Uh, do you? Well, because I, um, I was going to say, what's next? Could be the take bag. Like, what do you expect next? Does well, this mean no trout? Does this mean they're still in on trout? Like, where do you think it goes from here? Well, the, the the one big thing now that is being thrown out there, and we actually haven't talked about it yet on the podcast because we're unprofessional and we don't keep up with the Phillies, um, is this like Bryce Harper extension thing? Of oh yeah, I saw that. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Yeah, it's just like just, I mean, is it to like spread his money out more? Is that the idea? It's like he well, signed through through twenty thirty or whatever. I don't think we need to worry too much about an extension. Yeah, I mean, I guess maybe he just wants to be paid into his 40s. I guess he is going to want to raise because I think Middleton said that he's underpaid and maybe Boris is like, oh, really? What are we doing here? I don't think we've, but we've never seen this in baseball, right? No, no. They like, don't there's been opt outs. Like, like A Rod opted out yes. just to re sign with the but Yankees. No, they don't, they don't like tear up contracts and do extensions. I mean, again, I'm sure the only reason to do it is to spread the AAV thinner. Um, to sign more guys, I guess, but that's or like he, a, or he wants a raise. I mean, it's sure, yeah, he might, I guess, but he also wants to win. I don't know. It's a weird know. one. I don't. It's a weird one. I guess we'll see when it. But I don't even know if owners are going to approve of it. Yeah, like, it's a. I don't know what there might not. I don't know what the CBA says about it. I agree. I don't know. It's a weird one. There's a lot of things. I that mean, I'm sure they could do it. Otherwise, they wouldn't be talking about it. I just don't know how they could do it. You know exactly. So. Again, maybe he just wants to be extended into his 40s. I, I, yeah, I have no maybe idea. He just wants a couple years tacked on. Who knows? Yeah, and he, you know, he didn't. He didn't want an opt out. So whatever you want, Bryce. Sorry, buddy. It's, it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. Just, what, what's a couple extra years in my 50s? I don't care. Yeah, who cares? At that point, again, <laughs> we're I, as a podcast that was once built on the. I could be dead Phillies. by them. What do I know? Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, I'm old, just, like Jack says. You know, just stay a Philly forever. Um, All right. So so what's th- next? All right. So what's next? So the only thing that that hampers the trout thing now is that he can't wear twenty seven. So um, it's a big one. It's a big one. It's a big one. But two is available. He liked he liked Jeter growing up, and mm. um, as somatically as a new newly formed Derek Jeter guy myself, a lot of Jeter never, love on this one here. Way too much. Way too much. <laughs> um, he did make a lot of errors, but he has like a million gold gloves for no reason. But besides that, um, <laughs> besides that, yeah. The, so I'll be curious to see what they do with the rotation now because obviously Wheeler, we'll see if they extend him this offseason, which would be interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess if you could extend a Wheeler in the middle of a contract. Yeah, you can extend. Yeah, but I don't know. Then you can weird. extend Bryce. But I don't think uh, we've yeah. never seen a pay increase while well, a contract just, is going on. Well, especially we haven't seen it with, with, with nine years left on the deal or eight years left. That's the weird part. It's not like, oh, he's got a year left. Let's extend him or two years left even. It's like, oh, he's got eight years left. Let's get on that extension, you know? Yeah. So, okay. So the Wheeler probably extended, hopefully extended this offseason. Nola back. 
I still think that there's they try to get out from under Taiwan Walker's contract, but maybe maybe not. But if they wanted to sign a Sonny Gray, I wouldn't. I'm just worried about uh, giving him a draft pick because that's all I care about. But we know. Yeah, I, I'm I'm very very curious to see what they do with like is this it or are, are we just running it back with the same rotation? Do they try to find another arm? Do they move off Walker to to get someone else? I it'll be interesting, but um, I think I'd be a little disappointed if this is the the only starting pitching move. Like I need at least one interesting one, you know, like a Fetty or Severino or yeah, just give me give me one. Um, and then the 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 next big shooter drop is going to be if they make any lineup upgrades yeah. and, and try to find a, a big fish that way. I mean, if they wanted to get nuts, they could still do, they could still do the C straight. Cause he ha- he's under contract for two years. Yeah, It's true. Um, but I, I don't see that. I think it's more likely they make a move for like a closer, whether it's signing hater or trading for one. I think that's a more likely move than another starter like that. Yeah. Um, but, but if they, I just I'm curious to see what they do now with the lineup. Or are we just running it pretty much back with the with the same team, uh, minus Reese Hoskins, who didn't even play last year. So um, I would like to find a ready, patient bat. We'll see if they are able to do that. But at least they got Nola back. At least there's not a, a downgrade to the rotation. And now that that's out of the way, that was the biggest question mark heading into the into the off season. They can kind of go cook. So uh, I, I'm I'm excited. So to see. go cook. So go cook. Go cook, and uh, listen. At least, at least they brought back Knowles, so that huge question mark is off the table. Love it. Uh, are you got anything else before we watch football? Uh, I mean, listen. If you want to sign Yamamoto too, then you got Painter next year. I mean, you're yeah. not worrying on that, but let's be eh, real. Let's spend more money. Let's spend spend all the money. Spend more money. Um, spend, more money. spend more money, and uh, of course, make a dope trade. That's all. I make a about. dope trade. Yeah. All right. Um, thank you again to Preston Mattingly for joining us. That was a, a real thrill. It was awesome. What a what a what a stud that guy is. I mean, just so cool. Uh, so really neat. And um, and uh, we'll be back, I guess, next week. Or so if there's like any an more emergency. Oh yeah, obviously, happen. if stuff happens, we'll be there. Obviously, but otherwise, we'll be back next week. And uh, you know, how about it, man? Aaron Knowles is back. Knowles is back. back. Yeah. Thank you, Phillies, for not making us wait till like late tonight to record this. Like. From the bottom of my heart, I appreciate it. Uh, all right. And a 2035 Wall of Fame induction. Oh, it's going to be great. And the big yeah, question 2035, is, Bryce will be 44 and playing first base still. By the way, 2035, I mean, again, Nolan made his debut in 2015. That's crazy. Like, and he's probably going to retire. It's nuts. That's ah, just it. A lifetime Philly. Aaron Nola. How about it? How about it? What a thrill. What a thrill. All right. Uh, we'll be back uh, when they make a move or later this week. Again, thank you to Preston Mattingly. Thank you to Aaron Nola. We love you, buddy. We'll keep talking about you. And uh, that's all I got. He's Fritz himself, sir. <laughs>